You're listening to the micro version of the Savage Lovecast, www.savagelovecast.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, well, there's nothing you can't ask on the Savage Lovecast. Before I say anything, I'm going to say this. I don't think 19-year-olds should fuck 14-year-olds. I just want to be on the record about that. Be very clear. 19-year-olds should not fuck 14-year-olds. Zachary Anderson. Straight boy from a small town in Indiana. 19 years old. Meets a girl on a hookup site on a dating app. Drives to Michigan where this girl lives to actually meet her face-to-face. And the two wind up having sex. Teenagers, young teenagers, not allowed to be on this dating site. Technically, they all say that. You're not allowed to be on these sites if you're underage, if you're a minor, but many, many people are. The girl tells Zachary, told Zachary that she was 17. The dating app listed her as 17. Age of consent in Michigan and Indiana, 16. So Zachary Anderson did not think he was committing a crime when he fucked this girl who was, as it turned out, 14 years old. When this girl got home, her mother was there with the police because her mother didn't know where she was and her mother was worried. This wound up entangling Zachary Anderson. He wound up being charged with a crime. He had sex with this minor, statutory rape, and he was sentenced to 90 days in jail. And when he gets out of jail, Zachary Anderson, he is going to be on a sex offender registry for the rest of his life. The judge and the prosecutor made sure of that. They demanded that, that he go on to a sex offender registry for the rest of his life. Now, being on a sex offender registry basically destroys the rest of your life. You cannot live in most places. In some states, the restrictions on sex offenders about where they can and cannot live, they can't live near a school, they can't live near a daycare center, they can't live near a public park, all predicated on the assumption that, of course, a sex offender is going to prey on children, right? makes it impossible for sex offenders to live anywhere. In, in some states, to be on the sex offender registry is to essentially be banished for life. There are people, there are communities of sex offenders living in industrial areas, under bridges, and in little fucked up shanty towns because there's nowhere else that they can go or live. And that's Zachary Anderson's future. This is not an aberration. This is happening routinely. Sex offender registries which were originally set up to let the community know when someone who was a pedophile, a rapist, a sexual predator was moving into the neighborhood have become these catch-alls where people who have had sex in public, people who have had teenagers, who've had sex with other teenagers, consensual, non-coercive sex, but technically Statutory rape, sex with other teenagers have wound up on sex offender registries for the rest of their lives. People are placed on sex offender registries for public urination all across the country. Increasingly, to know that someone is a registered sex offender is to literally know nothing actionable about them. You cannot make assumptions about who this person is or what risk or danger they present to you or your family just by knowing they're on a sex offender registry. But by being on a sex offender registry, many places, they cannot go to school, can't go to college, uh, can't own, in Zachary Anderson's case, can't own a cell phone or be on a computer. Zachary Anderson was in college studying to be a computer coder, to be a computer scientist. That's over for him now. The courts have essentially, and the sex offender registry has essentially ended Zachary Anderson's life for the mistake of looking at a 14-year-old girl who told him that she was 17 and believing her. Now, I know that adults out there, we do this crazy fucking thing. Adults who aren't around teenagers in that age bracket, and we just think 14-year-old, and we picture in our head the most vulnerable 12-year-old looking 14-year-old that we know. But those of us who are around teenagers, because we have teenagers, we see the spectrum of 14-year-olds, some of whom look like 12-year-olds, some of whom look like no one you could ever picture anybody taking for a 17-year-old. And we see 14-year-olds and 15-year-olds who look like they're 18, look like they're 19, look like they're 20, who a reasonable person could conclude when they said that they were 17 that they were indeed telling the truth. 
Here's another fucked up thing about Zachary Anderson's case. His victim, this girl, and the victim's mother, who called the police, pleaded with the judge not to sentence Zachary Anderson to prison time, he's currently in prison, or to a life on a sex offender registry, to having to be a registered sex offender for life in Indiana and every other state he should ever move to because they didn't want to see his life destroyed because he hadn't destroyed this girl's life. And they did it anyway. And what really interests me and what should terrify you guys, everybody out there, young and old, who's using dating apps about Zachary Anderson's case, is what the judge and the prosecutor said during the trial. Because I said at the top of this little rant, having sex with 14-year-olds is wrong. You should not have sex with 14-year-olds. 19-year-old kids should not have sex with 14-year-old kids. That's not what exercised the judge and the prosecutor in this case. That's not what they went off on when they were prosecuting and then sentencing Zachary Anderson. It wasn't the 19-year-old, 14-year-old thing. Here's what it was. Quoting from the New York Times, during a sentencing hearing in April, Judge Dennis M. Wiley of Berrien County District Court criticized online dating in general and berated Mr. Anderson for using the internet to meet women. Quote, you went online, to use a fisherman's expression, trolling for women to meet and have sex with, the judge said. That seems to be part of our culture now. Meet, hook up, have sex, sayonara. Totally inappropriate behavior. There is no excuse for this whatsoever. Zachary Anderson is in jail right now and is going to be on a sex offender registry for the rest of his life because Judge Wiley doesn't like the way you sluts are using Tinder. That's basically what this boils down. He's making an example of Zachary Anderson for doing what millions and millions of Americans of all ages are doing. Meeting online, hooking up, having sex, sometimes NSA, no strings attached sex, and then saying sayonara. Sometimes sayonara for now, sometimes sayonara forever. Lots of people out there in loving, long-term committed relationships who met through online dating apps, initially for what they thought was going to be NSA sex, and then it got very essy, very stringy, right? Lots of people with strings attached now who thought they were meeting up for NSA sex and are happily stringed now. The prosecutor, Jerry Vigansky in Michigan, said of Mr. Anderson, we don't want people to think it's okay to go online to find somebody and then to quickly hook up for sexual gratification. That's not a good message to send to a community. So we are going to destroy Zachary Anderson's life to send a message to the community, not about 19-year-olds fucking 14-year-olds, but about it not being okay to go online and meet somebody for sex. We're going to destroy this kid's life, this teenager, end his life effectively, potentially end his life. There's a case in Alabama where a 15-year-old streaked at a football game, high school football game, streaked across the field. And then was charged with indecent exposure, was going to be prosecuted and potentially wind up in a sex offender registry for the rest of his life because he went streaking and he hanged himself. So yeah, judge, prosecutor, criminal justice into sex offender registries, this whole racket going to destroy Zachary Anderson's life, not because he's 19 and fucked a 14-year-old, but because he met somebody on a dating app for NSA sex. And for this, this judge and this prosecutor in the state of Michigan – are destroying his life and potentially ending his life. Sex offender registries, it's been written about a lot, particularly now that you can get on them for public urination, streaking, having sex with a sex worker. A man was just sentenced to two and a half years in prison and a lifetime on a sex offender registry in Florida for having sex on a beach. They don't work. Unless you think that having this tool at your disposal as a prosecutor and a judge to destroy the life of a teenager, to send a message to the culture about your moral disapproval of NSA sex, unless you think that's what sex offender registries are there to do, unless you think that that is a good use of them, they do not fucking work in part because all these people who are not pedophiles who have offended, who are not sexual predators, who are not rapists are on sex offender registries. And this is also a tool that is used to punish 
This is America, after all. African-American teenagers who've had sex with white teenagers who are close to but under the age of consent, prosecuting, as has happened, seniors in high school for having sex with sophomores when they are African-American seniors and white sophomores. This is sex offender registries, and these kinds of prosecutions are disproportionately used against, disproportionately targeted, disproportionately punitive in the cases of African-American teenagers, as all criminal prosecutions in the United States are disproportionately targeted at and used against African-Americans. We have got to walk this back. We are starting to walk back our draconian drug laws, which 20 years ago no one thought was possible. We have got to start walking back this abuse of sex offender registries, this destruction of young people's lives. Young people are the people sex offender registries were created to protect in theory. We had to let you know, parents, where the sex offenders were to keep your kids safe. They're not allowed to live by schools or high schools or middle schools or parks or playgrounds to keep your kids safe. And who increasingly lands on sex offender registries and are destroyed by them? Your kids. Something has to be done about this. Here's something you can do right now. I could ask you every week to go sign a change.org petition. There are a lot of online petitions about a lot of things I agree with, a lot of causes I care about. I don't do that. I don't ask you to go sign change.org petitions all the time. But this week, I'm going to ask you to go sign a change.org petition. Just go to change.org and look for Zachary Anderson and sign the petition calling for charges to be dropped and for him not to wind up in a sex offender registry for the rest of his life. So he can get back to studying computer science and back to being a teenager, get back to being a young adult with his whole life in front of him, as opposed to a teenager whose whole life has been destroyed because a sex-negative, moralistic, moralizing judge and prosecutor wanted to send a message to you about the grinder Tinder dating apps on your phone and how immoral you are. So I think you should come to the defense of this kid. He needs you. He's in jail and facing this lifetime sentence on a sex offender registry, partly because of what you are doing, which is the same thing he was doing. And we need to come to his defense. Change.org. Look up Zachary Anderson. Sign the petition. All right. Coming up on the show today, tons of your questions, plus Tristan Taramino on the Magnum talking with me about how to reclaim your sex life, how to reclaim your ass after sexual abuse, sexual assault. Coming up on today's show. This episode of Savage Love is supported by Sundance Now Doc Club, the new streaming service for everyone who loves documentaries. Discover unforgettable films such as one of my personal favorites, Sex Crimes and The Vatican. To get a free 30-day trial, go to docclub.com slash savage. That's D-O-C-C-L-U-B dot com slash savage. This episode of The Lovecast is brought to you by Stamps.com. Buy and print official U.S. postage using your own computer and your own printer. For a special offer, which includes a digital scale and up to 55 bucks worth of free postage, go to Stamps.com and enter SAVAGE. When you shop at AdamandEve.com, you'll get 10 free gifts with your order, including free shipping. Go to AdamandEve.com and enter SAVAGE at checkout. Hello, man. I'm a 30-year-old male. I've been in a relationship for eight years. I've had our ups and downs. Uh, but I love my girlfriend deeply. Yeah, she's a fantastic, kind, caring woman. Uh, but unfortunately, our sex life has been in a crisis for a couple of years now, and I don't know what to do about it. I barely enjoy our sex anymore, and that is threatening our whole relationship. Now, it can be related to the fact that my uh, uh, sexual taste has changed over time. I'm beginning uh, very attracted to good athletic girls. We both work out in generally in good shape, but there are some aspects of her body that uh, at some point started to turn my sexual desire off. Plus, her silly approach to talking about sex doesn't help at all. I really don't know what to do. I've introduced toys into our sex life to spice it up a little bit, and it mostly improved her experience, but my sexual drive for her is really diminishing. Uh, we're both young. I'm 30. She's 32, and I think we deserve to be happy. 
but while I want to be excited about having sex with her and not to be attracted to other women, I cannot control those things. So I'm really confused and frustrated. Uh, I love her and care for her deeply, but I think we desperately need some help. You've been together eight years. You love her. You say she's kind and fantastic and caring and wonderful. And you're not sexually attracted to her anymore. And you frame that as your tastes have changed over time. And now you are sexually attracted to women who are of a different body type, who are much more athletic. You're attracted to the women who won the Women's World Cup this weekend. You're attracted to that type and she ain't that type, despite the fact that she goes to the gym and she works out and she's in shape. She's not in shape enough, whatever that is. And so what do you do with that? I don't know what to tell you. You can trade her in for a younger, hotter, fitter, totter model, but then eight years go by or 10 years go by or 12 years go by and that younger, fitter, totter model that you swapped this girlfriend for, a younger, fitter, totter model who may not be as fantastic, kind, or caring a person as the woman you're with now will age And what is taught now may not be taught in eight years or 12 years. And what then? Are you then going to prioritize your very particular and very specific taste and a particular body type and then swap that girlfriend out in 10 years for a newer, younger, totter model who in time will become less taught and in time have to be swapped out until you run out of women who are willing to be swapped in for the girlfriend you're swapping out as they age out of your particular body type. This is something this being with someone who's your ideal uh, or that you're physically attracted to and time doing what it does to all of our bodies, not just to our partner's bodies and not just to women's bodies, but to all of our bodies, gravity and age shreds us all detots us all. If we don't want to make it sound so dire, and how do people who are 10, 20, 30 years into a relationship with someone whose body has evolved and changed continue to love that person? Well, there is hopefully built up over time uh, you know, a bank of, uh, of affection and comfort and familiarity and intimacy and that is itself one form of attraction that can build and grow over time. Sex becomes less important perhaps over time. There's also the dark over time. There's also fantasy and you can have a wonderful kick-ass sexual relationship with the person you've been with for 12 years and occasionally fuck that person or get blown by that person or eat that person's pussy while you or they lean back and close their eyes and picture the Women's World Cup team, the cast of Magic Mike, whoever it is who's younger and totter that you might also like to be with, not instead of the person that you are with now, but in addition to perhaps the person you are with now. That is how people work around the ravages of time. Because there's a point at which you won't, you know, if you're 30, you're young, you're in shape. She's 32. She's young. She's in shape. You can both run out there and find different partners. Maybe not partners who are as nice and kind and caring as she is. Although she could probably find someone nicer, kinder, and more caring than you are. But eventually you can't keep playing those kind of, I don't know, musical faces. You're going to run out of faces to sit on. And so is she. You are going to get older yourself. You are not always going to be in a position where you can trade in your current girlfriend for the younger sportier model. And if you don't overcome this block now with the woman kind, caring, fantastic woman you're with now, you will eventually have to overcome this block with the woman you're with in the future, you will eventually have to settle for a body that has settled. If not now, if you're not ready to do it now, you're still young. I'm telling you, you have to do it now. At some point in the future, you will have to do it, as we all do. Hi, Dan. Zoe from Australia, a 22-year-old bisexual queer kinkster. I've been with my partner at the moment for two and a bit years. Um, We're both kinky. We get on really well sexually. It's just he really likes polygamy. Polygamy is something that I really like to do. I really would like to have a girlfriend, but I have this horrible problem with jealousy. I can't can't get over the fact that I can't give him everything. And I understand because I listen to your podcast. I understand I can't be 
like the whole 10. I can't do that. I can only be like a six and you round me up to a 10. But I hate that I'm not enough. And that's what it makes me feel. I just wanted to, I want you to talk some sense into me. Before I talk some sense to you, let's define terms. You say that he's interested in polygamy. Now, polygamy is to have more than one spouse. That would mean he was interested in having two or three or four or 20 or 500 wives like King David. And I assume that's not exactly what you mean. Uh, you, I believe you probably mean polyamory, which is having more than one concurrent romantic sexual relationship at a time. Polygamy tends to be associated with more patriarchal cultures. It's usually almost always men having multiple wives and controlling them as a resource uh, and really hoarding all the girls. And polyamory is he gets to have other girlfriends. You get to have other girlfriends and boyfriends and he can have other boyfriends. Also, if he's bi, which you don't mention, and just like lots of love and affection and many partners. And I think that's what you are talking about. Not polygamy, but polyamory. And jealousy. Jealousy is the other issue that you're talking about. And how do you overcome that? Well, you're only 22 years old. You haven't probably been in a polyamorous relationship before. You haven't been with someone who's with someone else. So it's a big scary unknown. What's that going to feel like when he is off with some other girl or woman and they're going to get off and do something and, and have a romantic or sexual encounter that doesn't involve or include you? And how's that going to feel? And right now, it doesn't feel good, right? This big, scary unknown feels like a big, scary unknown. And you might indeed react negatively. It might hurt or it might not be the big deal that, you know, the monogamous cultural settings uh, that really carved a groove into your psyche too have convinced you that it's going to be. It might be a big nothing when it happens or your twinges of jealousy and these feelings might be unpleasant but bearable. And you can obliterate them with, you know, a couple of hits of pot and a night at the movies or hanging out with some girl that you want to perhaps get with too. The only way to find out how this is going to feel in the moment is to keep talking with your boyfriend about polyamory if indeed it is something that you want to sign up for and tiptoe in that direction. It might help if you guys, you know, many, most of the polyamorous couples that I know personally, it didn't start off with you go have a girlfriend and I'm going to go have a boyfriend and we're going to go do our own things. We're going to have these separate relationships. In most cases, people I know in polyamorous relationships, their first encounters with other people, they encountered those other people together. They had three ways or they saw, you know, two couples got together and swung or whatever. They had a four way and the, and both partners in the previously closed relationship were able to participate and observe and be included in their partner's first experience with someone else. And it, be, it became less scary. Like there they were. You're here too. We're all taking care of each other even though all in the same room, all messing around, all being good to each other, all taking care of each other. And the leap then is can you be good to each other and take care of each other and still prioritize each other's feelings and sense of safety and process each other's natural, normal feelings of jealousy and insecurity if you're not all going to be in the same room together, if he is going to go off with someone else alone or you are going to go off with someone else alone. I'm trying to talk sense to you and I'm just like laying out how this can work. But this is a fear. Like what will it mean and how will I react when he is with someone else that the only way you can – Find out what it's going to feel like and confront it and overcome it is by doing it. Eventually, you got to jump when you go bungee jumping. Eventually, you've just got to leap. And this is something that's going to feel a bit like that. You're going to stand there on the ledge, all strapped in, the safety harness and the thing buckled around your feet, and you're going to double check and make sure everything's good to go. And then you just stand there for a minute or two and you leap. And the comparable sort of safety harness and buckling in and strapping in for opening up a previously closed relationship is talk, is conversation, is consideration, is delay if one partner needs more time to think about it and talk about it and be reassured and really feel like this isn't a threat to the primacy of your bond and then process, 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 buckle in, buckle in, buckle in and at some point you jump. Some people go bungee jumping that one first time and they decide this is not for them. This is not something they ever want to do ever again. 
They jump and they throw up on the way down and then they bounce up and they come back up through their own vomit and fall back down through their own vomit on their way back down. And they go, you know what? This is bullshit. I don't like bungee jumping. I don't ever want to do this again. I didn't die. I didn't get hurt. The rope didn't break. I'm alive. But that sucked and wasn't the fun that other people who enjoy it led me to believe that it might be. So I'm not bungee jumping anymore. That can be someone's reaction to that first open relationship. They can hear how awesome open relationships are from their friends who are in them, from assholes like me sometimes who advocate for them. And then they go off and they try it themselves and they realize it's not for them. But the only way, 22-year-old bi Australian kingster, that you're going to figure out whether it is for you or not for you is to try it. This episode of Savage Love is brought to you by Sundance Now Doc Club, the new streaming service for everyone out there who loves documentaries. If you're like me, you like real stories about real people in real situations, and you love to learn about the world around you, then you are going to love Sundance Now Doc Club. They have excellent curated selections from cultural icons like Ira Glass, Susan Sarandon, and um, me. Me sets the cultural icon bar a little low, but they did ask me to curate a selection too, and I am proud to be in the company of Mr. Glass and Miss Sarandon. They asked me to choose some of my favorite documentaries too, and they're all in there, including one of my personal favorites, Chris and Don, A Love Story. It's a documentary about the relationship between Christopher Isherwood, the famous writer, Berlin Stories, Cabaret, uh, and Don Bockerty, the painter that he fell in love with. They were together for 40 years. It was an intergenerational relationship, and it was a pre-Stonewall, post-Stonewall relationship, a pre-gay marriage relationship. It really was uh, a gay love story from a time in our culture when there weren't many of those being written or told, and you should watch Chris and Don, A Love Story. Doc Club's library of documentaries includes incredible stories of all types, including crime, history, politics, music, and sex, a women director section, black lives on film. There is just so much to peruse. As a Sundance Now Doc Club member, you also get exclusive benefits like free movie tickets, access to film festivals, award shows, and more. For our listeners, Sundance Now Doc Club is offering a free 30-day trial to give you a chance to try out their service. Get that free 30-day trial at docclub.com slash savage. That's D-O-C-C-L-U-B dot com slash savage. Dan, I have a bit of a situation. So a dear, dear female friend of mine was invited to this event by uh, a guy who I know, I know his name, but I don't, he's not my friend. So um, the event is in his town. He offers to host her for the night. She drives there. They go to the event. They go back and they're back at his place and she falls asleep. She wakes up and this guy is standing over her. She was asleep alone in the room and he's touching her shoulder and he's saying, I want to fuck. I want to have sex. I want to fuck you. Let's fuck. Um, she's saying, no, 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 no. I have a boyfriend. No, 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 no. After you know, a long while of this, he ultimately leaves the room, but he's still kind of lurking. Um, they're in his house and I don't think there's even a lock on the door. And so he was, you know, 10 feet away and obviously she didn't sleep a wing. She was pretty scared all night. I want to speak to this guy from a male perspective. You know, she can talk to him and make him feel shame, but maybe if I spoke to him, I'd be able to, you know, change his ideas about how to treat women, you know, optimistically I could do that. Um, and so I'll say, Hey, listen, you know, this is inappropriate. This is a creepy way to act. I don't appreciate this. I'd love you to go to my friend and say you respect her and this will never, ever, 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 ever happen again. Um, and my goal with that is not to get, you know, an apology or get the event to go away, just sort of prevent my friend from being terrorized every time she sees him. And the problem with those two is that they're in this social volunteering leadership type organization together. So she's in a social circle with him. She wants to stay in the group. She's worried about seeing him again and maybe it happening again or, you know, rebuttal if she reports that kind of thing. You don't mention in your call whether you've asked the girl, the woman in question, the woman who was sexually harassed, who is approached in this inappropriate way, who felt unsafe in this man's presence and in his apartment, whether she wants you to confront him or not. Have you asked her? Yes, 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 yes. And what did she say? Um, I've been talking to her quite a bit. And uh, yeah, she she plans on talking to him. And I have not spoken with him at this point. But did she, what did she feel? What did she think about you talking to him? Right. Um, she, I, at this point, we're going to let her talk to him first. Okay. And things, maybe I've found up some new information since I've called to, which is sort of that 
uh, I've just talked to some gal. I, so I, I had this event where this guy was, I knew he was going to show up and be at this event uh-huh. and, uh, sort of, sort of a music festival type thing. So I just was like kind of warning a female friend of mine. I was like, Hey, listen, don't get blackout drunk around this guy. Yada, yada. Right. Mm-hmm. And the overwhelming response I got was he's a creep. He seems like someone has raped someone. Like these are direct quotes from girls that I hadn't even talked to about yet. Mm-hmm. And so I'm just kind of thinking that this is sort of a serial thing for this guy. So I, now I'm even more confused what to do. Okay, well, there's a difference between he has raped someone and he makes women feel uncomfortable and unsafe. Uh, You're absolutely right. I can't there, prove that he has raped someone. Yeah, I can't prove that he has raped someone. There's also guys who have, I don't know, you know, the, the male equivalent of resting bitch face being sort of resting sex predator kind of demeanor where they actually <laughs> haven't done anything, but they just like, they have a creepy vibe and women are right to, you know, to defend themselves and to be on their guard at all times because enough men are predators and rapists and shitbags that women aren't safe in the presence of men generally. Men don't get the benefit of the doubt and men who, you know, exude something that makes women feel uncomfortable. Women, you know, we'll talk about that and rightly so. And they don't have to wait to be raped to conclude that somebody is indeed the creep that they appear to be, right? I think that you should confront this guy. Absolutely, yes. I think there's a constructive way to confront this guy and an unconstructive way to confront this guy. Based on what your friend told you about that night, he didn't rape her. He, he didn't even touch her. Is that correct? He touched her shoulder and maybe her chin or her knee but not like he didn't try to pull her clothes off but he did it was that in the bedroom at the apartment correct yes okay so he he touched her in ways that were unwelcome and inappropriate she said no and he backed off even though he hovered and, and did something very creepy and the, the line isn't you know oh he didn't rape somebody so everything else is okay up until that point you can uh, you know you can do whatever the fuck you want no it's not okay but <laughs> but right, he did right. back the fuck off and we, in this in this circumstance we 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 don't know if he's backed the fuck off in every circumstance but he's clearly got a problem and it's clearly going to get worse and the lives you know he could hurt somebody else. He could destroy someone else's life. But there needs to be an accountability loop that gets to him and communicates to him that there's another life that he may fuck up and ultimately ruin or destroy and it's his own. Right. And it's not just, oh, you're going to go to prison if you cross a line. But no, there are going to be social consequences. We are all friends. I have female friends. You make my female friends feel uncomfortable. You pulled this shit with one of my female friends who felt really unsafe and she's hurt and she's fearful and this is going to have blowback for you. You shouldn't be doing this, period, at all. You shouldn't be doing this because of the impact it has on the women in, our, in your life, in your social circles, in my life, in my social circles, my friends. That's enough reason you shouldn't be doing it. You also shouldn't be doing it because, look, asshole, we're not going to want you around. You're going to hurt your own social prospects, your own career. And ultimately, if you do cross a line with somebody – you're going to destroy your life. You're going to explode your life. A lot of these people, they go and go and go in this direction because what happens is people just begin to like pull away from them and recede. People like, and so they don't, it never quite, because they're narcissistic or they're just motherfucking assholes. It never quite gets to them that, that they're hurting anybody or that, that are, they're upsetting people. They just sort of churn through new groups of people and new friends and lose those friends and meet new people and the, the shit just repeats itself. And nobody ever walks up to them and says, this is what's happening. This is what you're doing. And this is the price that you're paying. And it's got to stop. And the, the, the biggest reason it's got to stop is because it's unfair to the women in your life. It's unfair to the women in my life. It's unfair to the women in our social circle. It's wrong, period, for that reason. That is, that is the biggest issue. Secondary, look at what it's doing to you. Nobody wants you around now because you do this to the women in our social circle. Right. And you got to knock it the fuck off. And maybe nobody has said this to him before. Yeah. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me if no one had said it to him before. There, and how, how old roughly are we talking about here? Let's say around 30. All right. Maybe he's coasted through his teens and twenties pulling this shit and nobody's confronted him. Maybe your mm-hmm. confrontation will be, you know, he'll suddenly see himself the way others see him 
and he'll have some sort of epiphany and he'll run off to your friend and apologize. Or maybe this is his shitty MO and this is the way he's going to behave and nothing is going to change him. If he, right. if he has the epiphany and he changes and he gets therapy and he gets help and he knocks it the fuck off, good for you, good for him. And good for your friend, good for her, all of you, for confronting him. And if he doesn't have that epiphany yeah. and it doesn't stop, cut him out of your social circles. Cut him out of your lives. Yeah, we've definitely gone that far already. I, I, I get uncomfortable when I look at the guy. I don't want to hang out with him ever, for sure. Um, but yeah, I think, I think you're very right. Then there's no reason not to confront him. If you're already cutting him out of your lives, there's no price to pay. You're, you're already casting him out casting him aside. So, you know, people often fear confrontation because it could screw up your relationship with someone to confront them about their shit. Sure. And you're going to, you're, sure. you've already concluded you're not going to have a relationship with this guy. So let it rip. And you may save him from himself. You may save women going forward from him. If he, if he does reflect, if he does realize he's paying a price and change his ways, if only for a narcissistic self-serving reason, so as not to continue to fuck up his life, it'll still benefit the women that he comes into contact with. But hopefully, fingers crossed, he'll have that epiphany. There's a lot of guys out there in their mid-20s, late-20s, 30s, early 30s who look back on the way they treated women when they were younger and are ashamed of it. So people are sure. people can come around. People can have that sort of epiphany and resolve to do better. So give him let's give him some, some small benefit of the doubt and live in hope that this confrontation that you're going to have as you end your relationship with him – makes him a better person going forward. But go have that confrontation. Sounds good, Dan. Will do. Good luck, man. Like we do here at the Savage Lovecast, Adam and Eve want you to have the best sex life ever. When you buy something at Adam and Eve, they'll send you a sexy surprise for women, a specially selected toy for men, and a little something that works for anyone. Plus, you'll get six full-length adult movies on DVD and free shipping on your entire order. So what do you have to do to get your 10 free gifts? It's not hard. Just go to adamandeve.com and select any one item. It could be an adventurous new sex toy, a sexy piece of lingerie, or anything else you desire. Enter offer code SAVAGE at checkout and you'll get all 10 free gifts. Go to adamandeve.com today, select one item, and get 10 free gifts, including shipping, when you enter offer code SAVAGE. That's S-A-V-A-G-E at adamandeve.com. Hi, Dan. I am a 32-year-old straight female. I have been dating a guy for about a little over two months and it's getting pretty serious. I really like him and want it to proceed. Um, I have a weird situation that's never happened to me. He claims in past relationships, especially with his ex that he just broke up with about three months ago, who was addicted to sex, as he claims, and got him into porn. And he now has a running porn um, Tumblr account that's kind of anonymous on his end, but he showed it to me before and has been open about it. He just doesn't seem to be able to have um, intercourse and stay hard like when he fucks me, which is a problem because I like feeling a dick fucking me and I want it to be his. Um, he loves going down on me. He loves blowjobs. But when it comes to actually having intercourse, the two of us, he can't keep it hard. And I don't know if this is from some porn thing um, that I haven't spoken to him about beyond the Tumblr account. I don't know if it's because he has been married before for 12 years and alluded to the fact that he had some um, emotional abuse from his ex-wife and that she used sex as a weapon. Um, I don't know if it's something else, and I don't really know how to bring it up to him without offending him or... Um, taking it in the wrong direction. I want to remain really positive and supportive um, because I do like where this, where this is going, but it just never happens, and I'm kind of looking for advice because I'm a little lost. I'm surprised you like where this is going. You're two months in, and he can't fuck you. Uh, he has all of these sort of underlying issues, sex addiction and an ex-girlfriend who got him into porn because no man is into porn until girlfriends come around and get them into porn and an ex-wife who is emotionally abusive. He has all these problems that he has laid at the feet of his exes and that they are responsible for and he is not responsible for and hasn't taken any responsibility for it personally and can't fuck you. And you're two months in to this relationship, only eight weeks invested and 
you're tiptoeing around these issues because you're more concerned about his ego and his feelings than you are about your own needs. And you've lost sight of the fact that you have a right in a relationship to advocate for yourself. And you want to be with someone that you can lay that out on the table in front of without having to worry that they're going to shatter or dissolve into a puddle on the floor. And here's the guy who's convinced you that he is going to shatter and dissolve into a puddle, just melt in front of you. If you broach the subject of the fact that the sex isn't working for you and if this is going to be a long-term committed, potentially ongoing, sexually exclusive relationship, you guys have to figure out a way to make the sex work. And if you asking questions about that, if you laying your needs out in front of him is not something that you think he can handle, why do you like where this is going? I think this is going nowhere and you should pull the fucking plug and you should end it. If you don't want to pull the plug, if you don't want to end it, if you have high hopes for this guy, lay it out anyway. Don't tiptoe around it. You have these issues around sex. You need to work on those. Maybe you need to get a therapist and talk about sex addiction and pornography and performance anxiety or whatever else. These are the things that I'd like to have in my sex life with a committed partner. Let's figure out how we can meet each other's needs. And if that causes his head to explode, if that causes him to shatter, if he melts into a puddle in front of you, then he's not in good working order. He's not healthy enough to be in a relationship with. And you don't want to be in a relationship with someone that you can't be honest and direct with. Not sadistically direct, not honesty as a weapon. Just direct about your expectations, your needs, your wants, your hopes. A terrible, terrible precedent to set eight weeks in where you can't be honest with him because he's so fragile. I don't think a person in your boyfriend's shoes who is in a relationship with someone where he is consciously or subconsciously manipulating that person successfully with their own fragility gets stronger because their fragility in a situation like that is a, is control. It's power and people don't give up power willingly. So long as you allow his sexual fragility, all of these issues to shut your mouth to prevent you from asking difficult or direct questions, to prevent you from advocating for your needs, he's not going to get better. So put it out there. And if he's gone, you're well rid of him. And if he sticks around and works on getting better, then maybe this is something that should go forward. We're all busy people. Most of us are trying to find more time every day to get the things we got to get done, done. So you can't let trips to the post office slow you down. And now you don't have to let trips to the post office slow you down thanks to Stamps.com. With Stamps.com, you can buy and print official U.S. postage right from your computer and printer. Stamps.com will send you a digital scale that automatically calculates the exact postage you need for any letter or package, any class of mail. You will never waste your valuable and precious time going to the squalid and depressing post office ever again. Do everything you need to do right from your neat and orderly desk. Print the postage you need, put it on your letter or package, and then just hand it to your mail carrier and you are done. Right now, use my last name, Savage, for this special offer, a no-risk trial plus $110 bonus offer. This includes the digital scale and up to $55 worth of free postage. Don't wait. Go to stamps.com, and before you do anything else, click on the microphone at the top of the page and type in S-A-V-A-G-E. That's stamps.com. Click the mic and enter Savage. Hi, Dan. I have always wanted to call your show. I enjoy it so much. And today I finally have a reason. I have a friend with me who has not got to listen to your show before, but I told her you were the one to call. She is a, um, a cleaning person and she cleans people's houses for a living. And recently through a Craigslist ad, she got a couple that called her asking her some questions that um, she did not know how to answer. Essentially, a 60-year-old retired man, uh, that's all that we know about him, called uh, my friend and asked her if she would be willing to come over and write a schedule for him and his wife. He explained to her that it was a marriage of convenience, not for love, and that in the past they lived with his aunt, who they submitted to. He told um, my friend that they were both very submissive people and that this is the lifestyle that they've chosen, that they've been quiet about it in the past, but that they're looking for someone to help them now. 
Essentially, he told her he wants her to tell them what time to wake up in the morning, what time to go to bed, write them the schedule, pick out their outfits, clean their house, and help them organize to get rid of what they want. Apparently, this is some kind of kinky situation for sure, and the guy definitely knows that because he repeated to my friend several times that they were both submissive. She is afraid to meet them in person because she doesn't want to get chopped up into little bits. I told her that they were so honest about who they were that the people that would probably chop her into little bits are the people who would call her to just say, hey, come clean my house. So, Dan, what are your thoughts? Should she go? She's just a regular cleaning person. She doesn't know what to charge also if she does go, and she's not sure how to handle it. My hunch is that your friend, the house cleaner, if she agreed to do this to clean their house and tell them when they're allowed to get up and tell them what they're allowed to wear and tell them what things in the house they need to get rid of. No more ottoman for you. I don't know what that would mean. Those parcheesi boards, they're out of here. That the, the, the caller would disappear, that this is probably somebody not crank calling, but jack off calling, not to call to be a jack off, but calling and laying out this elaborate fantasy scenario which involved some sort of dom-sub incestuous relationship with an aunt at one point um, and jacking off about the, the, the fantasy and involving uh, an innocent third party who believes that the fantasy is actually for real allows the person on the other end of the phone fantasizing about it to experience it in a different way. Like that there's somebody else out there who believes this is actually what I'm about makes jacking off about the person that I wish I was that much more pleasurable and the scenario that much more plausible. So if your friend agreed to it, I doubt that the gig would even materialize. These people probably don't exist except in the imagination of the caller who has a phone in one hand and his own dick in the other. That said, you know, if they did exist and they were actually looking for this, it would be a lot more work than your friend is probably willing to take on because it sounds less like a dom sub scenario and more like a mom toddlers scenario, when to get up, what to wear, what they can have in the house. If I were your friend in a house cleaner, I wouldn't want to take on the responsibility of ordering around two fully grown adults in so uh, elaborate and minute a way. What an exhausting load that would be to bear. That's not somebody being submissive to you as a dom and making your life easier. That's somebody submitting to you in such a way where you're that, – that just creates work for you and effort for you. And, and you're constantly having to pay attention to them. They're not submitting to your will. They're forcing you to pretend that you're dominating them when you're submitting to theirs. It's very different. It's also if indeed these two people are out there and if they are elderly or older – and he's actually looking for this. It's a recipe for elder abuse. It's a recipe for some unscrupulous person to sweep in and drain their bank accounts and their IRAs and their saving accounts and exploit them financially or emotionally or socially or for housing or whatever else. Should your friend take the gig on? I don't think so. Because I don't think the guy exists because it will be more work than your friend could ever possibly do for them. And it would be an enormous pain in the ass. So I, I'm with your friend who had this squicky negative reaction. Not squicky negative because Dom Sub squicks me out. It doesn't. Not squicky negative because uh, sex work, and this would be a kind of elaborate form of sex work with house cleaning, squicks me out. It doesn't. But squicks me out because it's just impossibly elaborate and exhausting. And even if they exist, even if this couple exists and the ant used to exist and this is what they're actually looking for – your friend won't be able to meet their impossible needs. And if she tried, she would give up after a week or two and it would be over. So don't push your friend to do this. Your friend, I think, is having the right reaction in not wanting to do this, not wanting to touch it. Hey, Dan. I'm calling in response to episode 454 and the woman whose boyfriend's libido had tanked and who's wondering if it had anything to do with his uh, new exercise regimen. Um, while being fit and active is definitely an awesome way to rev up your libido. If he's working out too much, if he's exercising to the point of exhaustion every day and 
not building in enough time to rest and recuperate, um, he could actually be overtraining. Endurance athletes deal with this a lot, and it can mess with everything from your sleep to your mood and your libido. Hi, this is in response to episode 454 with a woman who is in the military and who is having trouble getting picked up by men. I think the key detail there is that she's in the military. I found that a lot of, I don't, I'm not in the military, but I have several female relatives who have been, and they all complain that civilian men tend to be very intimidated by women who are in the military. It's like an affront to their masculinity or whatever, and it's patriarchal, and it sucks. Probably once I get to know her, it would be a non-issue, but I think that's more likely that that's the issue rather than she's doing anything wrong. Hi, this is in response to the woman who called in who served in the military and got a bachelor's and all that. She was wondering if she talked too much and why guys don't ask her out. I, I was waiting for you to tell her that she should be the one asking them out. Um, there's no reason in this day and age why a woman should have to wait for a guy to ask her out. And we're going to leave it there. As I mentioned a few shows ago, we are gearing up to do one of our one-minute wonder shows where all of the questions are under one minute, and I try to keep all of my answers to close to one minute. If you have a one-minute wonder question, please call 206-201-2720 and record a question for the one-minute wonder show. If you have a question that cannot be asked or a comment that cannot be delivered in under a minute, you are welcome to call to 206-201-2720 for our regular shows. Follow me on Twitter at FakeDanSavage. Follow Tristan Tarmino on Twitter at Tristan, T-R-I-S-T-A-N, Tarmino, T-A-O-R-M-I-N-O. Savage Lovecast is produced every week by Nancy Hartunian and me and the tech-savvy at-risk youth and Nancy. We will all be back at you next week with another installment of the Savage Lovecast. 